My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. How comfortable are you naked? Does the thought of stripping down to your birthday suit in front of your partner or, heck, even the mirror intimidate you or frustrate you or excite you? What about emotional nakedness? How tenderly do you love and accept yourself precisely as you are? Quirks, history, and all. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and today we are going to explore these topics with two phenomenal experts, Sandra Lamargazi and later Joanna Harcourt-Smith. We will also have an Ask Dr. Megan segment about jealousy, about uh, what to do when a partner kisses somebody else. It's a great question. We've chatted with our first guest, Sandra, before on using sexual energy to arouse creative genius. I loved that chat. And today we're getting naked. <laughs> Not literally, though. There would be nothing wrong with that, right? Sandra is an expert. That's, that's right. It, yes, exactly. It's it's a beautiful thing. Um, Sandra is an expert in bridging the gap between sexuality and a lifestyle that focuses on holistic health and balance of the mind, body, and spirit. That statement just calms me. She's got degrees in all kinds of areas, including communications and metaphysical science, and she leads seminars on life change, female sexual empowerment, and more. She's worn many hats, including her current work as a dominatrix, an internationally featured blogger, and she's also the author of the memoir, I Can't Read, to read a Switch, Time for Change. Thank you so much for being here, Sandra. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to uh, be here and um, and share, share some stuff. To make it stuff. Yes, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I know that your book, you have a very revolutionary way to celebrate the the release of it. But before we discuss that, would you just share what is Switch Time for a Change about? Switch Time for a Change is my memoir from from holistic practitioner to New York City dominatrix after I lost everything. Mm. That is so enticing. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was really a lot about um, womanhood and um, owning our sexuality and really breaking rules or, or making our own rules about how a woman should behave. And um, it really changed my life, not only professionally and financially, but personally, you know, all of those wonderful attributes that a dominatrix, if you could imagine like a mistress a dominatrix has, it trickles off into your own life. So it started to transform me mm. in, in, in wonderful ways and in, in thoughts of, you know, in ways of my feelings and thoughts about money or how I valued myself and my boundaries, you know, personally and professionally. So was, I mean, I say every, every woman should be a dominatrix for six months. You know, you change, you actually really, I, you've totally inspired me because now it's like a future career goal. I'm like, I, I love the idea of in, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've not told this to anyone. So hello, everyone. I'm just thinking about this. But uh, like, especially <laughs> later in life, I think it's such a beautiful 
way to whether it's dominatrix or other kinds of sex work or doing you know you do beautiful nude photography all these things i think that's also empowering and important to to experience and and to celebrate those parts of ourselves especially as as we're aging which we all are because there is a lot more taboo and stigma don't you think after you know from middle age and beyond well, that's true, and it's funny that you should say that, that you were thinking of maybe pursuing this career somewhere down the line, because in Europe, the dominatrix and the mistresses are over 40. There, there are no young girls that are a, a mistress, because for to be um, a disciplinarian or a dominatrix or a mistress, you need to have uh, maturity and experience, I and that comes that. into the play of the session, so... The men in Europe, um, they they go to see grown women, you know, grown women um, that are, you know, a dominatrix. And in this country, it's so youth-driven, and um, and if, and that's fine too. I mean, young women are beautiful too. And but as well, as far as this this line of work, um, it's more for a mature woman mm. because she brings in all her power and experience and control and. Um, influence on her client because we, I mean, I'm not sure if everyone knows that, but it's not about sex. It's about, um, if you break it down, dominate tracks that you're really, um, influencing someone else. And you really have more power and you have more, um, influence when you, when you're mature. You know, like think about your teacher or your mother or your aunt or, you know, a businesswoman. You know, these are, these are mature women. Yeah, I love that. that. that I love that. that. And it's also it Yeah, so it challenges so many yeah, things sorry. about aging, you know, and about oh, yeah. one of the things that I dream of is a future where we don't poke fun at at aging and I I seldom see a movie or a birthday card, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't have some sort of negative or the whole oh, I'm really showing my age as though that's a negative thing no. when it's really, as you were saying, more experience and you're growing and becoming stronger. Yeah, and it's funny because I just turned 60 and I don't even really like to use that I'm 60 as a part of my identity. I just feel like, um, you know, a spiritual traveler and I happen to be in this space for 60 years. And, you know, I have no age. But it was, it was crazy because I never heard this before, but all during that week that I, of my birthday, um, I kept hearing the same thing. Wow, you look great for 60. Uh. And I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I said, what does that mean? Does that mean if I was 45, I'd look horrible? And I, I'm supposed to look a certain way when I'm 60? Or, you know, why, why, are we, why do we put these labels and these kind of stigmas on, on ourselves, really? Yeah, it's about really age or, I mean, I went to my fitness facility this morning, and the first conversation I heard as I was putting my things in the locker was one woman said to another woman, wow, you look skinny. Wow. And I just was, like, a little upset about that. And I don't know if I'm just sensitive, but it's like, wow, why would you say that to someone? Yeah. Like, was there something wrong with her before? She didn't look as good or... Yeah, I, I mean, agree with you. I there's so, so much I body shaming. It. Yeah, it's really sad. I think there's so many influences. Yeah. We're sort of 
you know, brainwashed by these cultural messages. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't challenge them. And that's one thing I love about your work is it is challenging all these ideas. And it's so natural. I mean, it's 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 so interesting that they need to be challenged so that we have to actually say, like, you know, maturity is a good thing, you know. But I, I love that you do it in these really sensual, beautiful ways. And there were these photos featured of you uh, in Huffington Post with a, with a client and mm. you were doing your dominatrix work and they are gorgeous photos. I would love Thank to you. hear how you, how has this work and this journey into your sex work influenced how you feel about your body naked? Oh, a hundred percent changed my whole perspective. And, um, first of all, when I first came into this work, I, I was in a place where most people are in this society in America, um, that, who would ever want to session with me at my age and my figure? Because I'm, I was brainwashed like everyone else. You had to be thin and you had to be young. But I found out through this work that that is not the case at all. And so many times I was just shocked that, you know, and I would deliberately wear things sometimes, you know. And, and I'm very conservative in my clothing. I don't really wear lingerie or, you know, I'm, I am I'm a mistress, you know, I'm mature, and that's how I dress. And which is still hot, I must say. Um, but a couple of times I would dress a little skimpier just to get a response from a client. Like, what would happen? I mean, I just was so curious. And I'm, I'm telling you, the clients would walk in the room, and the first thing they would say was, oh, my God, you're so gorgeous. And I'm just, I just have to tell you, you're so beautiful. And I and I started changing the way that I have been brainwashed over the years that there was a certain way that I had to, some in, unattainable way that I had to look or I wasn't attractive. Yeah. Because if you look at magazines or you look at movies or you look, any of that, it's not attainable, basically. You know, when the actress or you know, an actor gets in shape for a role, they don't look like that all the time. They have been training for months. They have a team of people, nutritionists and trainers. And as soon as that set is over, as soon as it's a wrap, you know, they're just go back to their real life. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's torture sometimes. So, yeah, it's torture for them. And I think, you know, they get paid very, very well for it. So I think that we need to just we just have to believe, start changing our thoughts and feelings and beliefs about what is sexy and what is beautiful. And and that is when you become it. You know, it doesn't matter what your size is or how old you are, but when you believe it and you your thoughts and feelings change on, on alignment with that, you become that. Yeah. And everyone feels it because the only thing that we're influenced by anyway is our energy. And we talked about that on our last show. Yeah. That's what we feel. That's what we see. That's what we project. And it doesn't matter about all that other stuff that people are trying to sell magazines. Yeah, it's so true. Products or products or whatever, you know. Totally. We are what we believe and feel and think we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely true. We can become it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I certainly sympathize and I empathize with, you know, the struggle to embrace our bodies and, and also the the feeling that 
we have to look a certain particular unrealistic way to to have value as a human. I mean, these there's all this pressure. Mm. So um, it's it's an interesting thing because you can know that that is invalid. Like you can know. Yes, what really matters is how I feel. And I also know that some people mm-hmm. are in a place where they feel, you know, they're having trouble getting out of that that thought pattern. And I wonder if you have any ideas for somebody who, you know, maybe pursuing dominatrix work might seem extreme for them, although I'm sure they learn a ton from your book and these universal messages. Um, but what are some of the kind of you know, baby steps people can take, say, if they just want to feel more comfortable naked in their own home or maybe with one partner. Yeah, and, it, and like you said, it is baby steps, and it's taking risks. And the only way that we become more empowered is through our vulnerability. Mm. And I have really learned that over the last six years. Um, and not just my dominatrix source, but you know how many like nude <laughs> events I've done and give different things of body image over the last few years. Um, those are the risks. Yeah. You know, I had to step out of my box too. And I just recommend that you have to be vulnerable because once, and, and just maybe a little showing just a little bit more or going just one more step further each time. And when you get validated um, how beautiful and wonderful it is and it's such a great experience, then you build off of that and you just keep getting bigger and bigger and then eventually you just live it. Mm, yeah. And that's when you're free. I love but you're, that. But the only, but I find that the, the one thing that's going to empower people about... Um, their sensitivity about their age or their body image or anything, their jobs, anything is to allow vulnerability. And, and, and you'll find that the more vulnerable you become, the more people can relate. And that's when they open up and then they share. And then you're, then that's intimacy. Yeah. Then you created said. this wonderful intimacy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Really, really good advice. Starting, yeah. starting where you are and, and being gentle with yourself and taking those steps. And I love what you said about other people benefiting because it, it really does, it starts kind of a flow of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable together, which I know we talked last time a bit about uh, some of the naked yoga stuff you've done, which is amazing. And very recently, you did a beautiful <laughs> body painting in public in New York City with photographers all around. And I know we have a photo that we're going to share. Could you tell us about that experience? Well, that was crazy. I mean, I really, I signed up for that. And I just really felt like it was really putting me out of, you know, out of my, way out of my comfort zone. And that's when change happens. You know, real change and, you know, extraordinary change happens when you really get out of your comfort zone. And I, you know, I had done the new beach and I did the new yoga, but everyone in the room was naked. So this was a little different in the streets of Manhattan. Where mm-hmm. Like yeah. you said, there were photographers and, and, and the people in the streets were, um, were dressed, and it was, you know, a, a group of 100 people getting body painted. And I have to tell you, it was amazing because it was the same thing that I just, that we just talked about, that the more vulnerable I became, the more the crowd became vulnerable and friendlier. Mm. Like, almost there was a trust of energy there. 
I mean, it was just amazing. It just, like, I was bonding with the crowd. Wow. And they, like, they, they wanted it, you know, they, they wanted to feel that. They wanted to feel the vulnerability and, you know, the openness and the trust that maybe they don't even feel in their own lives from anyone. But here I am talking to them naked and they know that I'm trusting them. Yeah. And that is making them feel good. Mm. And, and I'm feeling good because they are responding to my vulnerability. I mean, it just goes around and around and around. I thought it was just amazing. And I was so terrified, really, going into it. It was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, but afterwards, I was like, wow, that was really incredible. It was mm-hmm. such a, a growth experience for me. How powerful. It was, just, it, was just, it was just really amazing. That is awesome. I love that. And I know you are planning to work nudity into your your book release party, which is, as I understand <laughs> it, pretty groundbreaking as far as I don't think it's ever happened before. So tell us why you decided to, to uh, is everyone going to be naked? Everyone's going to be naked. Except for the press. We're giving the press the option. Press me dress, we said. Um, well, it was, I had I had the book launch um, planned up in a Massachusetts Mind, Body, and Spiritual Convention. And I had been on the phone with the director for, you know, a couple of weeks, and we were designing the, you know, the, the marketing, and, you know, I sent her the money to pay for my table. I was going to, you know, rent a space and do a speaking engagement. And we talked about topics and I was sending her my pitches and, and she loved it. And we were going through this whole, um, you know, process and everything was all set. We finally got everything set after a couple of weeks. And, um, of course I was up front, of course, of everything. You know, I disclosed, you know, my, about my book and who I am. She loved it. But then after everything was settled, she, I got an email from her saying that they had a, they had an argument or they had meetings for two days about whether or not they were going to allow me to be at the convention. Oh, wow. Because some of the directors were, unco- some of the directors felt that my book cover might make people feel uncomfortable. Because a woman dominating a man. And if you see my book cover, it's pretty vanilla. Yeah, it's, it's very um, elegant, and I never would have even imagined. It, 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 yeah, they just thought it would make some people feel uncomfortable. And the first thing I said was, well, that's where change happens. I yeah. want people to be curious. I want people to read it. I want people to grow, and, and maybe I could inspire them somehow. And they sent me my check back. Oh, my gosh. Um yeah, so about for about five minutes, I was upset. I cried, and I was like, all that energy that I like that was putting in a different direction just got cut off, and I was upset. And then after about five minutes, I thought, well, you know what? There's some really good information here. I mean, they really talked about my book cover for two days. That started to inspire me. Like I turned it around in my mm-hmm. thoughts, and then I thought, well, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on this. I'm not gonna even try and think about what I'm gonna do next. I'm just going to wait for the universe to bring it to me and I'm going to let it flow naturally. And about two days later, I had an idea. An idea came to me and I just kind of doing the dishes or vacuuming or whatever I was doing. And I called my, my good friend, Monica Warner, at Boulder Naked Yoga and I said, How would you like to have the first all nude book launch party in New York City? <laughs> and she's like, Yeah. 
Oh. And I told her what happened. And so I just really decided that I was going to turn something negative into a positive and really have an event. And it's just, like you said, it's Brown Gray Game. We're going to make history. It's never been done before. Um, we're going to have it at Bolden Naked Yoga. Monica's talk, going to talk about the benefits and health benefits and emotional, spiritual, physical benefits of body image and naked yoga. Of course, I'm going to talk about my book a little bit, maybe do a little reading. It'll be fun. And Joey Kim, who is an artistic, erotic artistic artist, is going to perform. Mm, beautiful. So we're really going to be celebrating um, expression, artistic expression, sexuality, you know, positive body image, and um Female empowerment, female sexual empowerment. Of course, there's going to be men there too, but you know this is something that we're putting out there. And this kind of evolved along the way. We're starting it a half hour early, and we're going to have a free to nipple uh, topless line outside of Golden Naked Yoga at 6:30 in New York City on 23rd Street. If you're around, um, and I'm going to be the first 50 guests will get a free signed book, so I'll be out there signing books topless. Wow, how exciting. I can't wait to hear about it. I'm, I'm sure there will be all kinds of buzz happening. I hope uh, I hope it's a wonderful experience. I'm sure people get so much out of it. Um, what do you hope people get most from your actual book? Well, what I'm, what I'm hoping is for change for people, people that are stuck, people that really want to change in their lives and are afraid and fear is you know, the number one factor that keeps us from from pursuing anything. And if I went down into a dungeon and worked there for a year at fifty five years old, then you can go back to school or you can change you can get in a loving relationship or you can, you know, take yoga for the first time or go topless on a new beach or do any you know, have children or, or do anything that you want to do. You know, break down those barriers and go for what in your life and be authentic and whatever makes you happy and brings love and health and prosperity into your life. And that's what happened to me. Beautiful. And this whole process, and I'm hoping that my story and some of the, you know, some of the advice are, you know, along the way that I give throughout the book may help other people. Um, that's my hope. That's my dream. And that's why I wrote the book. Beautiful. Such a powerful message, such an important one. And you live and breathe and exude all of that. So I'm sure you'll have a, a wonderful impact on readers. Remind us where people can learn more about you. Well, you can find me. Everything is Sandra Lamargazi, uh, PhD. Uh, my website, SandraLamargazi.com, my YouTube, my Twitter, Instagram, Google+. Plus. Just Google my name and, and you'll find me. Very, very easy. And you can get the book right on Amazon. It's up for pre-sale now. And please, if you're in New York, come to the party. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for joining me, Sandra. Wishing you all the best. Oh, thanks, all this. It was so pleasant. It's such, always such a pleasure talking to you. You're so inspirational. She's so lovely. Thank you again, Sandra. Next, I'm thrilled to welcome Joanna Harcourt-Smith to the show. Joanna is the author of the memoir, Tripping the Bardo with Timothy Leary, My Psychedelic Love Story, and the host of Future Primitive, a podcast that features 
intimate conversations that bring to light the shift that is occurring at this moment in our way of life. Joanna, you are a thought leader and an inspiration to me. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity. I love the topic that you chose to explore today, living each day with poignancy and tenderness, which you absolutely you know, share and inspire in people in, in all that you do. You talk about, you know, parenting yourself with tenderness and kind of letting go of these stories from our childhood. Why is it important to release those kind of old tapes that we carry? Well, it's very interesting because last night uh, I was called by a friend who was feeling a lot of despair and I got in my car at nine o'clock and went over to see her. And uh, she was asking me, what is life about? And I, I just took hold of her shoulders and I said, it's about really little things like what's happening right now between you and I and how we could connect and know I hadn't seen her in about six years. How could each know in our souls that when the moment came, we would be there for each other and that that, that particular, that particular thing of being there for each other, that's my reason to live and it will fuel my tomorrow in a most beautiful way. Mm. So in other words, what I'm talking about is we look for very complicated stuff in life, great ambitions, but really it's those moments where your heart is wide open and you can really feel the aliveness of another person penetrating your heart and your aliveness giving them life force. Mm, that is beautiful and so profound and it was calming just to hear, you know, to, to just come to that present moment. And it's so easy to get stressed out about what's happening in the world or these bigger issues or the future or the past when, as you said, it's these, these moments. I, I love what you have written on your website. You have beautiful um, words that you share. Uh, also on social media, you share such beautiful messages. And you share that you've gone through some really dark times. Even at a, as an adolescent, you were torn, you said, between a desire to die and an intense love of life. And that poetry was such a saving grace. Would you tell us about that? Of course. Well, I, I had the very painful childhood like I think uh, and I know that a lot of people uh, have gone through and I was I was taught to be a victim rather than being able to uh, enhance the life force that had been given to me as my birthright and so I had to come out of this sentiment and this feeling that I was a victim uh, for being a woman, for for being abused, for being a, se a beautiful sexual object. I had to come out of all the victim thought forms I had about these things. And the way I've come out of this is by taking back 
my own sense of compassion for myself and others one day at a time, mm. one hour at a time, just making love, making true love in the true sense of making making love like you would make a pie, like you would make a good meal for beloved people, a good meal for anyone for that matter, just making love. I think the idea of making love has been distorted as something sexual between between a pair of people. But really, life is about making love one little bit at a time and being aware that that's why we are here and that's why we are given life, mm. to make love. That is so beautiful. Absolutely. I love that definition of making love, that it's not just about, you know, within a partnership, but that it starts with ourselves and is in every every moment. What did your relationship with Dr. Timothy Leary teach you about about loving? Well, actually, you know, that relationship that I lived when I was from the time I was 26 till the time I was 30 um, with uh, uh, the person who is almost the brand name for LSD, but actually was a very wise psychologist and professor at Harvard, my relationship with this man uh, killed me because I was expecting things from relationship that are impossible. I was, I was completely a stand by your man woman. I was, I thought that the relationship with a man could cover every part of my existence could give me everything I needed in my life. Mm. But that is not true. It is not true. A relationship with a man or a relationship with a woman is about bringing my my own whole part to another whole part of the puzzle. So my expectations and uh, what I thought this relationship was going to do for me really killed my ego. Mm. And uh, it was very, very, very painful. It would be a long thing to get into, but please read my book, yeah. Tripping the Bardo with Timothy Leary. It's, so it would be a long thing to describe, but what I want to say is there is something very, very fortunate in being totally broken because I did have the choice to pick up the pieces that were useful to me one little piece at a time and rebuild a personality, a character, a heart that I really wanted to live with. Mm. That is gorgeous, gorgeous. Yes, I I know personally myself and many of my friends have learned and grown so much through the broken times and really realizing, I love what you said about bringing you know, your whole self to a relationship because we learn in so many ways that there's this idea somebody will complete us, you know, that we are missing something and if we meet the right person, they will somehow fill all these voids and, and make us a, a not broken person where really 
we ideally become whole ourselves and, and, you know, bring that to the relationship and it's two individuals uh, sharing an adventure. Exactly. Um, but it's the same in friendship. It's, I need to bring the wholeness of my love to each situation. Not perfect. That doesn't mean that I'm not a little bitch at times. That doesn't mean that I don't have the craziest thoughts in my mind. I've always been a kind of Bunny and Clyde type. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I have the craziest thoughts. But I know that what I want to bring to the moment is the most loving presence I can conjure up. Mm. And little by little, that becomes what I really am. You know, it's not fake it till you make it. it it's just love and love as much as you can with all its faults and all its non-unconditionality until, until maybe one day I will feel truly unconditional love. Mm, that is really beautiful. I love that you mentioned that you have crazy thoughts because I think sometimes when we encounter someone who's very inspiring and seems like they have it all together, then we think, oh, they must not have any negative thoughts anymore, <laughs> you know, that it's just, uh, that it's always easy. So it's just, you were very human. So w- when you do have a oh. thought like that, what do you do? Um, I mean, I was thinking that, uh, you know, it was maybe yesterday, the last time I was staring at a pie and thinking, one of these days I'm going to eat the whole damn thing. <laughs> you know? or, or worse than that, uh, I can't think about where uh, a couple, uh, couple of days ago, a day ago, I had this really terrible thought about, you know, robbing, stealing, whatever. And what do I, what do I do? I know it's I know it's just a thought and I bring my self compassion to it and I and I laugh like uh, as if I was a, it was a, a little kid in me that was thinking those things mm-hmm. and and I love it I mean I don't want to be perfect I don't want to be a good girl I just want to paint my life with the colors that I feel are beautiful Ah, uh, paint your life. I love that that idea of of choosing colors and being expressive and you know creating. That's that's really amazing. Well, you got it. You got it, August. Just one day, I realized that it wasn't that my mind was a horse that I was on and that was going like crazy and chose if it wanted to gallop or where it, the, the horse chose where it wanted to go, I realized that I could choose what parts of my mind and my thinking I wanted to act on, use, paint the canvas of my life with. Mm. I love that idea. That's amazing. When you say you give compassion or you you focus on the compassion to yourself, in sort of practical steps, what is that just simply the awareness that just helps you turn that or do you have to do you meditate? Do you what what steps can people take to kind of connect with that self-compassion? Good, very 
very good question. Well, practically, I try to never get, not never, but, you know, not to get too tired. Because I know for me, uh, when I get too tired, I become unkind. And I become crabby. And I start uh, my 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 most difficult difficult part of me comes up, which is arrogance. Mm. And so I try I try to do my best not to take on too much and to get enough rest. I think that's really, I mean, of course. Um, yeah, rest, rest. Mm, People don't yeah. rest anymore. That is so true. It's interesting. There's this whole kind of, I've heard it called the glorification of busy, where we will brag about, you know, oh, I've been working for 13 hours and almost as though it's this, you know, this notch in our belts instead of, you know, celebrating, wow, I took care of myself and I, I took a break and I... <laughs> I took a nap or, yeah, I think that's, that's really huge. That's really huge. I'm jealous of my rest. I'm very jealous of my rest <laughs> because I know, I know it's rest for me is fuel for kindness. Ah, uh, I love that. That is a keeper. Those are everything you're saying. I want to like, I want to write down and hang on my wall. <laughs> rest is fuel for kindness. Yes. That is that is so, beautiful. So true. Yeah, I could see that. We see that on on the the freeways here in LA. I can you kind of get a sense that the people who are having road rage probably did not sleep very much the night before, and they're hopped up on caffeine and all that. Exactly. 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 Yeah. I mean, I, I don't drink coffee um, simply because I live in Santa Fe, and it's such a sweet town that. I drank caffeine, I'd be climbing the walls of a, of the cafe, you know. <laughs> I mean, and I couldn't enjoy the view. Yeah. Oh, that's a really, that's a beautiful imagery, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's a be- beautiful place. I love that you feel more authentic and able to enjoy without it. That's, that's really huge. That's really huge. We have um, a question from a listener that we're going to be answering later, and I wondered if you have any thoughts just on it relates to jealousy is is jealousy something that you have insight on is is it the same sort of compassion mechanism and how do you deal when you are feeling envious well you know here is i have been very jealous in my life and i'm talking now in partnership um and the last time uh which was um, seven years ago, my partner said to me, finally revealed to me that he had had sex with somebody else. I start to um, feel these feelings, these horrible, horrible, horrible feelings, uh, feeling abandoned, not good enough. The whole, you know, the, the whole thing that hurts so much. And and then, after a few hours, I started thinking about him. And I started thinking about the circumstances and how he was in another country and how I had told him that maybe yes, maybe no, we'd be together. And But I'm thinking the whole shifting of thinking about him, not just about me, 
not just being locked inside my own feelings of inadequacy and abandonment. I, I thought and felt about him. And then I, I felt this warmth, you know, like, oh, well, he must have been really, really, really lonely. And I just can't tell you how good it was for the first time in my life not to just rip into somebody else automatically because um, I felt inadequate. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It changed me. It changed me. Really? Wow. So when you say it changed you, do you not experience those kinds of emotions again? Um, Well, it hasn't happened. You know, it hasn't happened again. But with the way that it changed me is that I, I saw there was an alternative to just becoming imprisoned in myself and my own pain. That if I was able to step out of myself just a little bit and look at the circumstances and the person and my behavior towards them and to look at the, the larger world around this event, I would feel more liberated. Ah, it opens you your heart even more. You expand your, your yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was so proud mm-hmm. in a sense that, that I didn't let that event imprison my own thinking. That's huge. About myself. Yeah. You know, oh, guess I must be so old and and I'm not worth it. And besides, my mother never wanted me. And, you know, that kind of thing. I, I was able to free myself from judging myself in this particular event. Mm. Is that how you see forgiveness as well? As, or how similar is the forgiveness process to what you experienced there? Well, the forgiveness process is absolutely huge. And I think that uh, and, and feel the only way I've been, ex- I've been able to experience the forgiveness process in a true way has been to get to the part where I forgive myself. I don't think... I'm able to forgive someone else or even I have the power or, but I, I can find the place where I blame myself for what happened. So this is a very beautiful, skilled question that you're giving me because it is the consequence of what, what I was, what we were talking about before. Mm. I don't know that I can forgive, but I sure know I can forgive myself. That's huge. So then you're not carrying that that pain. And as you said, you aren't trapped inside the emotions, which only keeps us in that space and can be very blinding, you know? That's right. That's right. And if I, just to complete that one, and if I feel jealousy or envy of somebody who is not my partner but in business or whatever it is, uh, uh, then I know, I think it's a positive emotion because I know that's what I want. Mm, yes. Oh, okay, that's what I want. I could make mm-hmm. that happen for myself. 
Yeah. Once again, not not expecting somebody else to fix or heal or do all this emotional work. It it's it's freedom. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So I I love your your podcast and I, I want to make sure that people who are listening are aware. So could you tell us because it's been going on for is it ten years? Yes, it's ten years ago that I realized through podcasting that I could uh, create my own radio station. <laughs> yeah. Online. <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. Uh, if you don't like the media, be the media. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fun. And I feel very proud every time somebody says uh, something about uh, be the media. I go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing, August. And so each week I put up online a conversation with a visionary, luminary, lover of, of life, whatever. Um, last week it was a man who is indigenous from Alaska, uh, the Bering Sea, and uh, really beautiful, wise, wise man. And the week before, a woman, a wise woman from Guatemala, who has beautiful things to say, um, a healer from Guatemala, and so on every week. And you can access the, the podcast, uh, we, we, we post every Friday, and it's www.futureprimitive.org, as in the word future and primitive, all together futureprimitive.org perfect I hope everybody listens and subscribes and if you enjoy it please leave a review those are really helpful on on iTunes and there's just so much wonderful uh, material and voices and messages and it's just all so so inspiring I would love to hear from you before I let you go I know it's such a, you know, it's a, it's a large topic, but it's also one we can all relate to, as you said, living each day with poignancy and tenderness. What, what is one step that no matter where we are in our journeys, we can take to, to do so? Feel. Feel. Mm-hmm. Let yourself feel. The benefits of feeling uh, so, so much outrun the benefits of shutting down. Just feel, feel for the tree outside, feel for the sky, feel for your, for your doggy, feel for your friend, feel with your lover, just feel. It's amazing. Mm. And feel the pain and feel the pain and feel the joy. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much, Joanna. I just am so grateful for your time today and, and for who you are. You're, you're a true gift to the world. Thank you, August, and I'm very grateful for your gift to me of being able to express myself. What an incredible woman and voice, speaking of visionaries, and I, I just loved what she had to say about love and compassion, and so much relates, actually, to our Ask Dr. Megan segment that I just referenced. I got a wonderful question from listener Joe, who asked this. A few weeks ago, my boyfriend confessed that he kissed a coworker at a party. He told me they'd been dancing and drinking and it got out of hand. He stopped it before it went further and feels terrible. I'm glad he told me, but I'm struggling to not feel hurt, 
jealous and confused. How can I move past this? Such a good question, Joe. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say. Joe, thanks for your question because I see um, so often in couples that are dating or married, you know, when one partner um, is attracted to or connects, kisses, or even has sex with another, you know, how do you repair? How do you get back into connection? And what's interesting here is that, you know, he's coming to you proactively and he's in a sense confessing and letting you know that this happened um, and that he stopped it. So, you know, from my perspective, it's he's trying to sort of reestablish that trust because, you know, he ultimately didn't need to bring this to you. And I think sometimes when I, I sort of say, um, and I think as a couple therapist, I'm not alone in this, that, you know, sometimes when we're feeling guilty about something, if it's a one-off and it's done and it's never going to happen again and we've learned from something, it's almost harder to sit with that guilt ourselves. Um, and we almost want to tell our partner as a way of uh, relieving that guilt and having that honesty. But now we've just sort of dumped that into the relationship. And now, you know, sort of as you're saying, it's like you're having to sit with all these feelings of hurt, jealousy, and confusion. So in a sense, it's like, you know, if it's something that's a one-off and one and done, I almost think it's better that someone holds and contains their upset, their feelings, their guilt, than putting that into the relationship to, in a sense, spare you from going through these feelings. And yet at the same time, um, you know, it's the nature of relationship is what sort of we refer to as rupture and repair. There are all of these moments where people disappoint you, they let you down, you know, this feels like um, an issue of trust or a betrayal. And yet, it's all about owning it, taking responsibility and saying, at the end of the day, what I'm committed to is to you and to us, and to making that repair and getting back into connection. And so I totally understand that you're having all these feelings of, you know, second guessing, hurt, jealousy, uh, wondering, you know, could this happen again? Um, but I think the thing I most want you to take away is that, you know, don't put up walls, essentially, in your heart, sort of to protect you from this, you know, when and if this might happen again. It's to realize he loved you enough to actually tell you because he didn't want to have anything between the two of you and that he did stop it. And he didn't want it to happen further. And I think sometimes, especially sort of in a moment where we're dancing and drinking and there's a connection, you know, sometimes, you know, when someone's drinking and we all have to be mindful of any substances that we use, you know, we're not necessarily in our right mind or in a rational mind. We're just sort of being more uh, reactive. And uh, that doesn't necessarily equal that's, you know, what he, um, you know, in his best uh, part of self, state of mind, what he would have wanted or how he would have responded. So, you know, to me, the opportunity to move past this is to realize, you know, he honored you enough to bring it to you. He stopped it and he's committed to you. And that for you on your side, just as I said, don't put up those walls to protect your heart. It's to recognize, don't steal the joy of this moment and moving forward because of a past hurt. Um, you know, I think so often we become in a sense, victim to our feelings. Um, and 
we allow them to run the show. And I think that it's a huge opportunity for you to feel what you're feeling, allow yourself to feel that, express it, let him see the pain in your eyes, because that's going to, I think, motivate him that he's never going to go there or do that again. But also that you don't get stuck in that pain point, because that's not going to help either of you to move on. And really just celebrating the opportunity you have moving forward, um, in a sense, with a recommitment to each other that, you know, exploring what's possible in your relationship. So again, feel what you're feeling, but don't get stuck in that and really allow both of yourselves to move on and grow stronger and uh, even more intimate from having shared this experience. Love to hear more how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Make sure you check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. I loved what she had to say and the parallels between what she said and Joanna said, you know, honoring your feelings, feeling your feelings, but also don't put up walls. Don't hold on to the pain so much that, you know, that you stay this in this victim space. And Joe, I think it's beautiful that you are recognizing these feelings and also you're recognizing that you want to move past it. And it can take time. And I know that, you know, it's also important to not beat ourselves up for feeling negative feelings. It's sometimes we feel guilty for that. I know I have in the past felt, um, you know, I shouldn't feel so sad or I shouldn't feel jealous or whatever it is. And sometimes you got to feel it, you know, then let it go and, and then just keep on growing and, you know, take it a step at a time. And, um, yeah, I hope you will keep us posted, as Dr. Megan said. If, if we can be supportive in the future, please definitely reach out. Any of you listening can always reach out. You can send a question through my website, augustmclaughlin.com. Just click on the contact tab. Come straight to me, and I will uh, protect your privacy. Speaking of nakedness and self-love and all kinds of juicy funness, don't forget to stop by thepleasurechest.com for fabulous intimacy products from sex toys to lube and all kinds of educational resources. If you are in LA, Chicago, or New York areas, definitely check out their free workshops. I just can't say enough good about them. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss a beat. And I would so appreciate a simple review while you're there. For extras and a whole lot more, visit augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org, where you can subscribe for very occasional email updates from me. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.